1: Hey, it's Greg Harrelson here again with my great friend, business partner, Brendan Payne, and another great guest on the Level Up podcast. And, you know, I just want to bring attention to the essence of the Level Up podcast, because this guest that I'm going to introduce you to definitely kind of falls in line with the, the, the conversation of going from agent to entrepreneur. So let me introduce you to Jim Remley. He's from Southern Oregon. Now he says he's from Southern Oregon. I haven't figured out why he hasn't told me what town that is, because I don't <laughs> think southern Oregon is a town, but area. I don't know that big area.
0: Thank area. you. Big big area. Area.
1: Jim, <laughs> I'm just making fun of you. But I do want to know if there is a town because <laughs> I, a town. <laughs> I think the southern border of Oregon's probably fairly long. But anyways, is. this is uh this is Jim Remley, Southern Oregon. Jim, how you doing, man?
0: And I'm like, super stoked to be on the the program. I've I've uh fan of entrepreneurship and i think this is a great podcast
1: right man great so so where are you i mean you know with all jokes aside southern oregon are there a few towns or city landmarks we, so that- if
0: you're in california and you're driving north we would be the first two cities you come to so there's ashland and then medford okay uh, so we're just over the border we got a sort of a california climate but the climate with an oregon flavor so we're the best of all worlds here
1: wow Wow, you're a great salesman. I, I kind of yeah, yeah, like how on you're out. positioning that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> come on out.
1: Yeah, well, well, let's, uh, you know, hey, Brendan, I'm sorry. Let me just go ahead and make sure Brendan's, uh, you know, that uh, that I pull him in.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm here. I got gotcha. you.
1: Okay, good. Well, let's just jump right into this thing. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, Jim, I, you've been in the business for 30 years, and yes. you've done quite a few different uh, aspects of the business. You've been agent, you've been team builder, you've been company um, builder, you 've been the seller of a company and another startup, and then building another big company and selling that company. again that 's why I say agent to entrepreneur is just so fitting to have a guest uh, 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 like yourself. But I, I kind of want to go back in time because sure. you know as we were talking before hitting the record button, it just dawned out on, on me on how many real estate agents we're coming, we come across these days. They get into the business two years later, they 've sold 20 deals, and they say i 've got to start a team. Mm-hmm. And then they sell 60 deals as a team. And it's like, I got to start a company. And, right. um, and you've kind of done all that. Maybe your numbers were different, but you've mm-hmm. done all those things. So I want to make sure the audience gets to understand what did you do? What were you thinking? What are some of the challenges that you had? But take us back from the beginning, because you said you started with Century 21. Is that right?
0: I did. Yeah, I did. I, for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, 19, 1989. It was the first company I, I found when I when I got my license in hand driving home and I, I saw off the freeway, there's a Central 21 office. I pulled in. I said, are you hiring? Oh, wow. And I said, you're in luck. We are hiring. I said, oh, my God, that's so amazing. I I got my license. So I quit my job and just started the next day with my little briefcase in hand. Wow. <laughs> nice.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and 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 everyone's going to no, not everyone's going to ask this question, but I'm with Century Twenty One, so obviously mm-hmm. I've got to ask this question, and I know the answer. <laughs> you, ro- you wore the gold jacket, didn't you?
0: Hey, brother, I love my gold jacket. I still have my gold jacket. It doesn't you fit me have. anymore. <laughs> but Bar, I still I wish love I it, I could man. See it. So, yeah,
1: yeah. But the, when I asked you that off uh, off off camera, um, you said, "Oh yeah, not only did I get my gold jacket, you earned your gold jacket." I earned it, man. Because I, how did I that, had that happen?
0: Well, I, our brokerage at the time did not provide the gold jacket. You had to buy the gold jacket. Okay. And I was, uh, I was a guy that came from a lumber mill, college dropout. Uh, and I didn't have any money, you know, very little. So it took me, a, I had to go out and earn some sales. I'd close some deals before I could actually pay for that gold jacket. Ah. And I remember the day I got it, opened that bad boy up and taking it out. I'm like, this is so amazing. <laughs> got my gold jacket. I've earned my wings, right? Wow. I wore it loud and proud, I wore it every single day.
1: That is uh, fantastic. And you said you, you, you put it on and you immediately went door knocking, right?
0: Immediately went door knocking. And I got a funny story about door knocking. I, I, I was a farmer and I still believe that geographic farming can be a very, very effective uh, way to prospect if you do it correctly. Um, so I would go out and door knock a certain neighborhood. And uh, years later, uh, this gal came to work for me, Tammy, and she says, the reason I came to work for you is because you used to farm my neighborhood. You, you'd, you, I'd see you coming. Because I could see your gold coat from so far off, wow. <laughs> and I said, "Well, what would you do when I got to your door?" She says, "I turn out all the lights and hide." <laughs> but I did list a ton of properties in there, so it absolutely worked.
1: Brendan, what are the chances if we ordered gold jackets for the you know for our agents? What are the chances they would wear them?
2: I don't know if gold would be the thing, but I I like the idea. I grew up, I went to private school, so. It takes all the decision making out of what you wear. (laughs) What we could get three colors, and I think some of the people would actually they jump on board because you just wake up and you put the jacket on. You got to, you know, everything goes with gold. Everything goes with gold. Hey, you know
0: what I did when I finally started making some money is I moved up to a camel hair coat, which is kind of goldish. Yeah, uh, but it's a little bit more tan, right? Yeah, a little bit more classy. Yeah, Uh, well, that's that's, that's how I moved it up.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> so, so let's talk about your business. So you got in the business 30 years ago. You did the gold jacket thing. Um, but can you, you know, you eventually went into business ownership. But before you did that, did. Um, tell us a little bit about your personal production and, and, and transitioning to maybe team production. And I actually don't think you told me you were ever a team. I might have made that up. Um, mm-hmm. And so <laughs> please correct me if, I, if I'm wrong about that. That could be an assumption I made but can you yeah. just tell us a little bit about the, uh, you know, that journey?
0: Sure, sure. So, uh, like a lot of agents, I struggled for my first six months. Um, didn't really understand the sales process, so I began reading books uh, and attending seminars, and we didn't have webinars or podcasts back then, so it was all live instruction or tapes that we would listen to. I bought it all, and I invested in all of it, and uh, after that first six months, I started just going out and applying all these systems Uh, to my business. And it worked. I mean, I started to have a complete transition in my production. My second year in the business, I took 150 listings, um, got listed in the top 1% of agents nationwide. um, And my business just started to escalate super rapidly. Uh, interesting thing about teams is I um, was in in an environment back in 1989, teams were unheard of. You didn't have teams. The only teams that existed then were husband and wife teams. But I formed the first team in my community, mm-hmm. uh, which was myself, another guy in the office I handpicked, and, who had actually sold a home to, who came from California, and I talked him into getting his license in Oregon, and we started working together as a team, and then we hired an assistant. Right. Um, so we, we definitely started with that strategy, and, that, and us two opened our first company uh, about four years later. So when I was 23, I opened my first real estate company, 24, wow. excuse me.
1: Can I stop you real quick? So yeah, uh,
0: sure.
1: great, great information. Um, but you said in your took two, you took how many listings?
0: 150 listings.
1: <laughs> okay. So there's a couple things. We just want to slow this one down for a moment because sure, we all sure. know that that's pretty impressive, right? We all know yeah. that. And every, every listener is going to know that. But yeah. what I find interesting is that you're new into the business and you quickly went after listings. Um, because we know so many people they default to going to buyers, and, and that's I, I, I'm not going to say that's the wrong way to do it, um, but a lot of times that's what they default to. So, what, how, what inspired you to go that route, and mm-hmm. how did you get traction so quick?
0: So, first of all, what I realized is that listings give you scale, and buyers don't give you scale. And the reason okay. the difference between the two is when I'm working with a buyer, I physically have to be present with the buyer when I'm showing them homes. Uh, when I take a listing, I have to be there physically to take the listing. But after that, I can go out and take another listing and another listing and another listing. So the only way you can scale your business um, in, in our industry and really exponentially increase your income is to be listing dominant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all top producers are listing dominators. Um, I've yet to see a buyer's agent who's a listing, who's a, who's a dominant player in the market. Uh, doesn't mean they can't be effective and make a lot of money, but if they want to really own the market, I also flip it back. And when I'm training agents, I use a grocery store analogy, which is if I walk into a grocery store and I'm looking for eggs, steak, and butter, and the clerk comes up and says, I got good news and bad news. The bad news is sold out of all the product, so we can't sell anything. But I got my car cleaned up, gassed up. I'll take you over to Albertsons and sell you some of their product. (laughs) Pretty soon, as a consumer, what you do is you can be like, no, thanks. I'll just drive over and get their product. So yes. we are just like a grocery store. If we don't have anything on our shelf individually or as an office, then what happens is people move. They go to where the product is. Product in our industry is the ultimate uh, determinant of who's going to be successful because it all it drives all contact with buyers, yeah. um, and, and it really drives the industry. So that I, I realized that really quickly.
1: That's a great. Um, I never heard that analogy. I, I actually really like the way that you 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 phrased that. So how did um. So how did you get traction so quickly? Because I, I don't care what you did in your first twelve months, for the next for from thirteen to twenty four months to take one hundred and fifty listings is extraordinary. What what were your sources? What kind of sure. you know, What did what did you do?
0: So, uh, three things for me early stage, and and I think everybody has cycles in their in your business, right? So you have early stage, mid stage, late stage. Um, kind of cycles in your business, right? For a new agent, I always say it's like you're a doctor. You just got your medical license. You got to expect you're like an intern now at a hospital. You're going to spend 70, 80 hours a week in this business. You're going to make good money, but not fantastic money. We're going to, That's going to be two or three years. And then we're going to graduate you to owning a practice. And that practice is where you're going to be almost 80, 90% referral based. But you got to earn that right to be referral based. You never see a surgeon cold calling. You never see a surgeon knocking on doors. Because they've earned that right through two or three years of work. So, But my two or three years worth of work, where I earned my way up to a referral-based business, was FISBOs, expireds, open houses, the classic things that we all do, and farming, uh, demographic and geographic farming. So um, you know, we, I own those areas, and I really dominated it. Uh, at, at my peak, we were sending out in the demographic and uh, farming uh, arena, uh, I targeted absentee owners, was a big focus of mine. Uh, so we were sending 8,000 pieces of mail a month to absentee owners, um, in my team. And, and back then, I'll just tell you a quick, quick, quick antidote about that. Uh, back then there was no, uh, computerized database for that information. It was all microfiche back in the day. And we had a microfiche machine in our office with all the county records. So my assistant, uh, would sit at our old <laughs> ancient computer and hand type in, all of the county deck records, 68,000 records, she transferred from microfiche to a computer, so we could then turn them into labels and send them send them out. And when I'm talking to agents, this is what I call having your head you know your your head in the clouds, but your nose in the dirt. This is grinding work. Yes. that No one else is willing to do. And if you're willing to do grinding work that no one else is going to do, you're going to own the market because 95% of agents are super lazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was an example of how we
1: owned and dominated the market. Nobody had the database. We owned it. <laughs> that's, that's, Brendan, that's awesome, yeah, isn't it? Because, is- you know, I mean, I, I you know, I, I, well, Brendan and I sometimes preach in our own offices that we, you got to be very careful at being one dimensional. What mm-hmm. you, what you, what you demonstrated and your story tells us and confirms is the power of being multidimensional. You blended right. Multiple pillars of lead generation strategies, expired, FSBOs, open houses, farming, direct mail, you know, and there could have been other things that you were doing also at the same time. But in order to manage all of those things and keep everything moving forward, it was a grind. Right. But that investment right there is what puts mm-hmm. you on the fast track. Brent, Brendan, were you gonna say something?
2: Yeah, I was gonna say, I, I wanted to just reiterate the um, the fact that anybody that's listening that is newer than 30 years in the business, then you have to understand <laughs> 150 listings 30 years ago or 28 years ago is the equivalent of probably 450 in 2019, 2020. You weren't getting Red X delivered to your laptop um, on right. you know Tuesday morning. You weren't going to Zillow, making me moves and pulling all the for sale by owners. You were a micro fish, which people are going to have to look up. We know what it is. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's right. People are going to have to look
2: They're up,
0: gonna up gonna what the hell. Said, where, the
2: where is that fish at? Where do you catch that? <laughs> um, so I think that that's that's huge um, in the fact that um, I, I one question that I want to sure. ask you, Jim, was sure. That's a quick start. So. I'm assuming that was not something you just came up on. Was that
0: from who you were following at the time? That idea, no, that was not. I mean, honestly, I completely stumbled on this kind of concept. Uh, And this is, you have to have your eyes open to opportunity uh, and things progress over time. Obviously that, you know, absentee owners still work today, but a different format, technology changes. Mm -hmm. Uh, But here's how I stumbled onto it. And it was the craziest thing. I opened the paper one day back when we read the paper and it had a list of all the county foreclosures in it. And I was looking through those county foreclosures and I noticed that most of those people that actually own the properties that were being foreclosed on were out of area owners. Mm. Uh, so I was like, that's interesting. I wonder how many of these people just kind of forget about these properties and they forget to pay the taxes and that's mm-hmm. how they're being foreclosed on. So I did a little test mailing, which is kind of what we call in today's world, A-B testing. Mm-hmm. And I did a couple of different letter stabs and key owners and boom, I took like three listings. And I'm like, wow, this could really work. <laughs> And so yeah. that's how it kind of the genesis started. Yeah, that's great.
1: That is awesome. fantastic. You know, I just wrote down on my, um, you know, piece of paper, Brendan, because, you know, you're, you're saying like what he had to do come, you know, to get 150. And then you look at today's agent and the advances we have with automation. Right. You know, you're right. I do think yeah. that that 150 is a way bigger number when you look at this. But then you would say, like, well, if he can do 150, then. Mm-hmm. with just like a shovel and a pickaxe, <laughs> then <laughs> Jim, right. we're dating you, man. I don't know. I mean, I, I, you, know, listen, right. you and I are probably about the same age, but uh, you know, so I, maybe I've got a 50-year-old birthday coming up. You know, I, I just turned
0: 50, half. brother. Just okay. turned fifty. So I'm in
1: January. So like, I'm trying to take advantage August. of anybody. I, I'm trying to call everybody <laughs> old right now and make them feel <laughs> old. It's I
0: am old, years. man. It's making me feel
1: better about myself, but um,
0: I, let me give you one example of, if you don't mind. Of, yes, please. A new technology, um, but but doing some harder work, or like a, like an application today, right? Um, I have a couple of agents in my office that are doing demographic farming, but they're doing it in a unique way. Um, so they are they have found a way to capture uh, phone numbers of a whole database, a whole farm area database. And there's a lot of ways to capture that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what they're doing now is they're combining that with a uh, sly dial, sly broadcast. And they're doing a whole broadcast to three, 400 homeowners in a, in a specific area. And and they will call and say, hey, a couple of realtors here in your market, love to give you an opportunity to know what your home value is. Have you ever looked at your Zestimate? It's inaccurate, we'd love to correct it for you. I'd let you know what's happening. And so they do that every month. And just a huge slide dial broadcast, uh, which th- when you talk about yep. scale, and what you're able to scale with technology now that I never had the opportunity to do, that's a great example of that.
1: That is a good one. And here's something I wanted to, to, to make sure I clarify the audience. So my audience is probably always expecting me to, you know, kind of, you know, say something that tries to wake everybody up. With <laughs> all the advance, advancements we have with technology and automation, there's still pe- people, most people are still not capable or not, know, are not doing as much business. Jim is doing now. Here's my point is tech making us lazy Yes, (laughs) because see like you got Jim. He had to hustle and he got what he got right and then you got all these advances He just gave a, a great tip on how to use technology to scale something He had to do in a much more manual manner yet at the same token with all that tech available um, now we're not seeing agents advance in the level of production as high people are not advancing in production. I know that people are going to say, well, Greg, that's incorrect. There's teams doing 500 deals now. Yeah, but we're talking about gym. We're not yeah. we compare gym and teams. Like mm-hmm. instead of using tech to scale, they're using teams to scale, which is not necessarily as profitable. If agents would just combine old grinding mental toughness mindset with the tech that's offered now, all of a sudden there's a huge scales at really nice profit margins.
0: Absolutely, it's it comes down to grit. I mean, you got to have some grit in the business and and be able to grind it out and and do the work. Um, it, and by doing so, you'll separate yourself from the competition. I did a convention. I was speaking at a convention in Australia recently, and uh, a guy raised his hand and we because he was he was the top producer in the room. And I said, what's your secret? And this is very interesting. He said, I get up at four o'clock in the morning, every morning. Right. And I, he says, I, by, by nine o'clock, I've got five hours into my day. And I'm, I've already beat all of my competitors. Because if you add that up over a year, it's like a thousand hours more work he's gotten to the year, because he just simply, one strategy, his one strategy is getting up earlier than everyone else and doing the work, which is, you know, sounds simple and, yeah. and it's kind of silly, but it's absolutely true. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, take us from here, so okay we, I, I'm sorry, I got so sidetracked off the one fifty, but I think it's worthy uh, of 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 acknowledging. okay, so now you um, you kind of added that one team member, um, yep. an assistant, you probably expanded yep. a little bit more than that. then you started your own business. so what did you how did you start blending production and running a a business tell, tell us take us to that next uh transition
0: well. It was difficult because we had a pretty large business Um, and then you got to switch your mindset, you got to change hats and put on the hat of to build a a real estate company. Now I've got my, my two main functions are recruiting and retention. Mm. And then that's it, recruiting and retention. And I learned really rapidly uh, that I couldn't just do production and expect to own and operate a company. They're two different, they're two different operations. One is operation, what you might call a technician great book, The E-Myth, mm-hmm. uh, which covers this. So that's kind of operator mode, technician mode. Different mode is I'm managing and I am you know, teaching people to fish kind of situation. And I had to kind of blend that for, for a while, two or three years in my, in my company, and I slowly scaled out of production over the years. But uh, one thing I realized, and this is important for anybody that's building a real estate company, is there's a death zone with real estate companies. And the death zone for for me and what I've recognized over the years, and I've built a lot of companies, uh, is if you are in that, let's call it 30-agent range to maybe 50, 60-agent range, maybe 70 in some markets, it's a little bit of a a death zone. And the reason is you're not small enough to be nimble and be like a boutique company, Mm. and you're not large enough to have economy of scale. And so when I'm talking to people, and and I coach a lot of people that are that run companies and that uh, are, are teams and want to own a company. And I always say to them, you got to make a conscious choice as you're coming in. Do you want to be small and be a boutique or do you want to be big and be a dominator, uh, a company, a large economy, of scale company? Because there's no room for in-between. Uh, that's, and there's no profit in in-between either. So it's one of the two. So for me, I, I, I decided with my partner, we're going to go big. We're going to go all the way. And so over a 15-year period, we built that to 17 offices and became the largest independent company in Oregon. Uh, and so, but it was a struggle. And the, but the key for that is uh, you look at your business. If you are a owner-manager, when we, instead of prospecting for listings, you're prospecting for recruits. Same mindset, just different focus.
1: Yeah right so all the things that you learned and the habits that you developed to help you get the uh, massive take massive amounts of the listings it really applied so the the product may have changed a little bit right it's a recruit instead of a listing yes. but the process seemed to be um, uh, fairly similar
0: exactly it's it all boils down to uh, starting conversations you know getting them curious about what's happening and then it's follow up it's very similar to uh, any kind of prospecting with any kind of warm lead like a for sale owner You're not going to ever close them on the first deal. You've got to go out and and kind of romance them over time. Great example. I just recruited an agent here in my company, $10 million producer. Uh, I talked the first meeting I had with her 10 years ago. I met with her 10 years ago and had a meeting with her. She didn't come to work for me for 10 years. And then she just finally came to work for me. That's how long that incubation period is. Of course, not normal. You know, normally it's a lot less than that. But that's an example of you got to be consistent. You got to have a plan. You got to make consistent contact. Very similar to going out and get a list. Yeah. Great. What's your thoughts, Brendan? So I, I was wanting to see,
2: you've obviously been in the business for something more than what you started. It started, got your license. They're hiring, started doing some deals, making some income. Can you give us some idea, like what's kept you in? Because you you built that company to um, seven, 16, 17 offices, the biggest in in the state. And then you've transitioned a couple times even since then. So what's, what's kind of, uh, for the people that are maybe not seeing all the opportunity beyond just doing a deal in this mm-hmm. business, what's kept you um, so focused and kept you in the same industry for 30 years?
0: It's interesting because you know, everybody goes through cycles in this. And I don't care how successful you are, where you have moments where you're like, do I want to really be in this business? Do I really want to stay here? Is there something else out there that's more interesting to do? So real estate is such a unique animal that there's so many aspects of this business that we can do. And for me, it was never about the money. And I think when you make it about the money is when it gets boring. And you'll see people with miserable degrees of success. I just had this conversation with a guy, one of my coaching students this morning, uh, who was super successful doing 100 transactions a year, but he also uh, had health issues as a result. And so he had this miserable level of success. Uh, So you see a lot of agents like that. And you got to say, what's driving you? Is it the numbers or is it achievement? And what's behind that? What's your why, in other words? And for me, uh, I've been fortunate to be self-aware that I, even though at my peak earning times, every single time I get to a peak earning moment, I get bored. And I'm like, you know what? I've done this and I'm going to move on to a new channel. And that's the key is I think changing and changing and adapting. So if I get tired in residential, I move to commercial. I get tired of commercial, I move to investment. Uh, and you know, and it may not be a complete move in my business, but I may be adding that to my repertoire. So I'm, you know, I'm kind of interested again. And for me, that progression was uh, agent to broker to speaker and coach, and also along the way, running and building a couple different companies. And so that's what's kept me interested and excited. The other sideline to this, guys, is uh, And I I encourage every agent to really um, think about wealth building along Mm -hmm. the way because we have all these income streams, uh, but you got to be investing in, you know, your long term future. And for me, I always coach agents that you should be buying an investment a year and, you know, that will that will create financial freedom.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, And if nothing else get to the grind so you can have the the capital to be able to do that and have and be able to take advantage of something that's right in front of you You see that all the time where agents are in the business and aren't aren't playing in that field
0: they're not i i tell an agent sometimes will look at me and be like yeah i get it and and i I always drive it home with a quick story and i'll say let me give you a personal example so he told me years ago and i followed it and it worked for me imagine you buy a a rental property this year for two hundred thousand dollars and then you do that every year for 20 years and you put them all on a 20 year payment plan. You rent them out. You get to year 20 now, right? 20 years later, historically over the history of time, real estate doubles in value over 10 years. But let's say that only happens once. We throw out the twice, it only happens once over 20 years. End of year 20, you reverse cycle and you begin selling these properties off. The first one you bought worth now 400000 It's paid off because you did a 20 year mortgage. The question mark is can you retire? Over twenty years at four hundred thousand dollars a year, because every year thereafter you're selling one more and one more and one mm-hmm. more and one more. That's a four hundred thousand dollar retirement plan that every mm-hmm. single agent can implement today. They just got to make great. a little bit more money because the average down payment's you know twenty five fifty grand on a rental property. Mm-hmm. Everyone can do that if they just up their game just a little
1: bit. That's, That's pretty cool. Rim. That 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 is a great great way great a way to talk about it. So um, l- let me jump in because I want to make sure that we at least touch on this. And, man, you know, maybe one day um, in the future, if you feel compelled, we'll, we'll have another conversation because I, I got all kinds of things that I want to talk about sure. um, with you. But one of them, you said something about, you know, I know that you have a coaching program and we'll make sure that everyone knows about that before we get off. But you sure. said something about, I can't, re- um, is it a deeper, deeper connection in a digital world? Can, yes. Is that one of, one, one of the talks that you do or training yes. programs that you do? Can you, yeah. can you talk about that? Because I think it's so relevant right now. And I'd just like to hear what, you, what your thoughts are and your perspectives on this.
0: So, so I wrote this, uh, this training program based on this. It's, it's uh, a presentation I've delivered to lots of different companies. But the, uh, the premise of it was I read an article in MIT Review by a guy named David Bryan. And David said that systems today are being built to remove human beings from the system. And, yeah. and when, I, when I read that, I thought, that's so true. And, I, and he gave several examples, and I'll give you guys the real-life examples, and we're all using them. Uh, you know, when we use Uber today instead of a cab, when we get into our Uber and hail it, it's all done with a push button. We get in the cab. We don't have to talk to the driver or the Uber. We don't have to talk to the driver. Uh, we can go through the whole ride, get out, and never have a single conversation. You compare that to a cab driver years ago, we'd have to hail the cab, talk to the driver, and then, you know, there's a whole interaction. You go to the grocery store, now you have self-checkout in most stores. You don't have to interact with the checker. My wife and I uh, use uh, Instacart to have groceries delivered to us, very little interaction. Um, Another example of that would be um, uh, food delivery service. We use Freshly to have food delivered to our house every week. Mm -hmm. So all these little things that are happening through through the world right now, these systems are being built to remove humans from the equation. Because we're the problem. And that was what his uh, article was all about. And it's happening in real estate right now. It's happening in real estate where people used to have to come to our office 30 years ago and actually talk to us about their search pattern. They don't have to do that anymore. They can go online, do their own search. Uh, We're moving into an industry. I just saw in my presentation, there's several lockbox companies that are rolling out uh, uh, systems where the, the consumer will be able to access the lockbox. They won't have to have an agent present with the seller's permission. So now imagine they see a property they like, and then they go show it to themselves. Can you imagine? They get houses, all these kinds of things. So my point of this all is, um, as agents, we can enter into this kind of frictionless issue too, where we're buying leads online. We're not actually talking to people. We're putting people on drips. We're not actually talking to people. And we scale up to such a big degree that there's very little human interaction. So what we become, and especially teams are super guilty of this, is we become transactional instead of relational. Uh, and it becomes a commoditized business where everybody's just a commodity, doesn't matter who I work with. So my, my lesson to everyone in this program is we have to reinsert friction back into the transaction. In other words, what I mean by friction is human interaction. We have to make sure that we are connecting with people on a human being level and insert that back in the transaction. Instead of doing a drip, I do a phone call. Or if I'm doing a DRIP, the DRIP is a video of me having a conversation with somebody, a Zoom meeting, a live Zoom meeting. Uh, And I'm looking for lots of different ways to have a lot more human interaction. And there's a secret behind all of this. And the secret, uh, if you guys know of uh, Brene Brown, she's a great speaker. Uh, You can catch her uh, on TED Talk. If you look up Brene Brown, she's a great speaker. She wrote a book called Daring Greatly. And it's all about the power of being authentic. And this is what people buy into right now is the authenticity of you as a human being. And that comes through a human connection. If you look out on on social media right now, everybody's trying to be an influencer. Mm -hmm. And all these influencers look identical. Mm -hmm. They're they're interchangeable. They're like Barbie dolls or something. Uh, And what will stand us out from all of that uh, is being really unique and being ourselves and being authentic. And then inserting a lot of human interaction. And that's what will drive and create a referral-based business. And so that's really what it's all about.
1: Yeah. So this is uh, it's just a perspective from my, my in my own mind. And, you know, with no didn't read this. It's not coming from anywhere. It's just kind of my thought. I, I feel, and maybe it's me personally, um, but I feel as we become more disconnected to the human Interaction, I feel like we start to want it more. Absolutely. You you know, so I, so like if we as agents can just acknowledge that the consumer is experiencing less connectivity and interact digitally connected, we're connected to the world, but as we connect to the world, we seem to actually disconnect to people. Absolutely. Okay. And which causes, the desire to increase for that human connection so the benefits and the payoffs for going back to old school conversations and old school relationships i think it's a huge victory today a huge payoff because like you mean you really called me oh Mm -hmm. my last agent just sent me an email Right. Like that's what do do you are you do you feel like that's really going on right now that we're we're actually as human beings we're starting to like really almost we're we're missing it. So then the mm-hmm. first person that gives us that attention, we actually want to latch on to them.
0: I, I 100% totally agree. And you crave the human reaction, right. the human right. relation. It's a craving that we have. Yes. A great example of this, I was watching Joe Rogan and Joe had a great um conversation about this about long form um, entertainment, like what he does, like two hour interviews with people. And and there's this idea that we all want snippets, like 10 second snippets, one minute snippets. But that's not true. The reason why his podcast is successful is because people crave long forms of communication where they actually have deeper, deeper conversations with people. So when I'm coaching agents, I'll often say inside your head, inside your head as a salesperson, you have a clock that's ticking all the time. And you, you feel it when you're sitting with a client, you're thinking, I got 10 more clients I got to talk to today, I got a cold call, I got to do this, I got this appointment I got over here. And I always say, put that aside and take way more time than you think you should with every client. Take an extra 10 minutes with a client, take an extra 20 minutes with a client because your time is your most valuable asset. And when you give it to somebody, it's a gift and they recognize the gift. They understand that that's something that they don't often get anymore. And it's, sure. such, a, it's such a beautiful thing, really and people will, will refer to you as as somebody that they trust and as an advocate because of it.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Well I thank you. thank you for for opening up that dialogue because it, it 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 definitely got my attention when we were talking. Uh Brenda, before we kind of uh, wrap it up, any final thoughts and uh or questions that we can uh have? Uh, he J- Jim's been very kind and 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 obviously he's very wise he's um, got a lot of experience. So, I mean, this could go on for probably hours.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, for sure. So it might be a good time because you, you've um, talked a little bit, alluded to it a little bit. So just give us a little bit idea what you're doing now um, sure. with the coaching and stuff, because that's I mean, you have just shared some some really great snippets. Um, give us give us a little bit bigger picture
0: of what you're doing now. Sure, sure. So I have a, a coaching system called uh, eRealEstateCoach.com. That's with an E. So if you go there, you're going to see we've got just a huge plethora of coaching materials. We have one-off classes you can take, mastery classes. We mentioned FISBOs and Expires and Open Houses on this uh, podcast, and you can go on there and see different classes you can take that are mastery classes in each of those sections. If you want full-blown coaching, which is what I offer as well, we've got a great uh, coaching platform called The Path, which is, I call it the Netflix of coaching. We've got hundreds of classes in there. And each class, each video has downloads attached. So if I'm talking about a strategy, the scripts are there, the downloads are there, the forms are there, the social media posts are there. You can instantly access them. It's truly plug and play kind of training. Uh, and then we, uh, code, we combine that with group live coaching. So I give live coaching within that system uh, every Monday. We call it our Monday momentum as well. Uh, and that's all accountability based. We want to get you fired up and, and really focused on your goals. Uh, that's ninety-seven dollars a month. Super inexpensive. Cancel anytime. No contracts. Um, awesome. And we've got a ton, a ton of agents doing it. Um, we just added a, a few agents from Canada recently, so we're international now. All right. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Nice. For you. Now for your students, if they log in and they it looks like something they want to use in terms of the path coaching, uh, we give everybody fourteen days free just to kind of test drive it, see if they like it, see if it fits for them. Uh, so there's a there's a ton of material though.
1: And, and what, what's, uh, can you give us the website domain again, if yeah. you uh, just to make sure so if the listeners want to go and check it out?
0: Sure. It's eRealEstateCoach.com.
1: Cool. Awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, Great why don't exciting. we go ahead and, uh, and, and and wrap this one up? Thank you so much, uh, uh, Jim. And besides eRealEstateCoach.com, if somebody wanted to reach out and just connect with you, what's the best way to reach out to you?
0: So, um, you can always email me and the best way to email me or contact me is just go onto the website and you'll see a contact page there. I just got an email last night and I called the guy this, this morning. So I, I personally will reach out to you. It's not going to be my assistant. It'll be me. Okay, great.
1: And, and, and Brendan, I think most people probably know, cause we've got a lot of repeat listeners, but, uh, what about you? If they want to reach out to you, send you referrals for Myrtle beach or for Charleston or just touch base with you, what's the best way for you?
2: Yeah, Facebook Messenger is probably the easiest way and I'll definitely respond uh, as quick as I get it.
1: Yeah, and that's the same for me, everybody. If you want to reach out to me, reach out to me uh, on Facebook. Just hit the message button. I'll get it through uh, Messenger. And, and respond. And then, you know, please, uh, I, I sometimes I forget to ask, um, but please, you know, hit the subscribe button. So you get instant notifications every time we do um, launch another podcast like this. I think you can see there's tremendous value here. And then give us a review and um, a good review, bad review. I just want to review. So if you think we're, we suck, go ahead and put this thing, this podcast sucks. It's okay. I actually won't look you up and, you know, and, and, and beg you to take it off. I just want reviews. But of course, if you do feel compelled to give us a five star review, then do that also. Say something nice. That helps us get more viewership. It helps us bo- boost up the rankings, which can help us um, get, you know, more and more guests and bigger and bigger guests for the show. So until then, Jim, thank you. That was so helpful. I learned myself. Um, please, you know, you know, look Jim up and Brendan, thank you, guys. That's a wrap.